So in the attributes of the Buddha for the welfare of gods and humans um, <laughs> comes into the world for the welfare of gods and humans and uh, generated a dispensation which is a sort of kind of not the most usual word but it was much more than just the particular meditation teaching but a whole sasana which means a whole culture and cultivation which uh, sometimes called Dhamma Vinaya which also means both the truth uh, and also the um, training and one should undertake recognize that these are the two the Buddha didn't teach Dhamma he taught Dhamma Vinaya and Vinaya often specifically can be seen to refer to the monastic training because these were the people who were most um, single-mindedly um, followed the Buddha and put everything else to one side. Um, but it's actually the essence of it, that which breaks up defilements, Vinaya, uh, is something that's applicable to, to all beings. The Buddha taught everyone. Um, and it's about how we train ourselves, and it's always about how we train ourselves within a wider sphere than just our own, um, apparently our own individual minds, which again is another story because what's so individual about it? <laughs> we are our minds are permeable; they're not really ours. <laughs> uh, they are uh, subjective, and yet they're so much affected and conditioned by forces around us that. Uh, and through these we naturally affect uh, others. So the, you know, and the vinya, vinya is about an understanding of how that uh, nature of mind, the nature of mind, is not contained within a person. <laughs> a person is a, a form, a series of forms that arise within the mind. Uh, identification forms, karmic habits, uh, repeated programs and behaviours that arise within the mind. Yeah. The mind is bigger than the person. <laughs> the jitta is bigger than the person. And the Buddha said, I can encompass the minds of others with my mind. So his mind could spread very wide, encompass the entire world with a, mind, with a heart of goodwill. We're very much encouraged to cultivate this sense of the encompassing embracing mind to fundamental um, specific cultivations of this is cultivation of jhana where the mind becomes extremely uh, radiant uh, it's felt through the body it's energies that can then move through um, into subtle levels of consciousness pervading it with with a bright warm uh, uplifted energy. The other form of pervasion, suffusions, is suffusions of loving-kindness, compassion, uh, gladness, appreciation that is, and equanimity. This can suffuse the entire known experience. You could say cosmos, the known experience, and that can obviously shift and change. But it's very much working in terms of fields, whole worlds, and wide expanses yeah. and similarly the Buddha that you're training 
in your actions is within the field of you know gods and humans and he generated this fourfold assembly the summoners monks nuns as we call them now gone forth people renunciants and uh, upasikas upasikas those who follow living the household life and involved with families and making business and so forth so this this is you see creating a mini society within the world and trained beings beings who've cultivated right speech right action right livelihood who bond together support each other um, and and, uh, unified around the qualities of virtue unified around the qualities of loving kindness unified around the, the primacy of clarifying and purifying the heart through meditation this is their common anthem their common theme their common thread whether men or women or wherever and so this is the kind of the unifying buddhist society that is the buddha spent his lifetime encouraging and generating um, through his own teaching and through protocols that would actually help people to to overcome their their fear or their mistrust or their prejudices and uh, come together and support each other in 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 this particular way in generating these qualities so very important to get a sense of the big picture and training oneself within that it's both responsibilities yeah one's responsibilities as a summoner one's responsibilities as a you know, whatever wherever your walk of life is, and just to get that sense, because you know, often the missing piece for practitioners is yeah, they maybe they can find some time to meditate, which is great. Sometimes it's extremely difficult to find that much time. You know, there's a question here about person dealing with their aging mother who needs a lot of care. Person themselves is getting very stressed. How do I get some space? I just really want to be on my own. I'm just overwhelmed, kind of thing. And I think, yeah, I can understand that. So maybe you can't meditate. Training. Training yourself to deal with wisdom. The the quality of goodwill and virtue has to also be measured and moderated with wisdom. It's because the, the chitta is so affected uh, that a, a good-natured person is highly affected by the sufferings of others. And uh, there's a sense in which this has to be understood. There's a duty to, to rise up to that, but at the same time, you know, <laughs> you, can't, you, can't, you can't make it work. In other words, it's bound to, on, on some levels, it's bound to be uh, frustrating, disappointing, um, and something that isn't really going to arrive at some some final concluding uh, settled state because the person's in decline. Yeah. So what is one's resource in that? Well, your resource is to return, yeah, to keep stepping back into the sense of the assembly 
and the assembly is both many people in physical reality and also just in your own mind you know, the sense in which human beings throughout history have had to be with this um, yeah. and uh, your suffering and stress is not unique and sometimes just even be able to talk to somebody about it to express it itself gives you that sense of some the nature of mind is when we can you know say something state something however difficult it is just in that action of clearly stating there is some sense of ah oh, no, it's the nature of mind because the mind is not actually bonded to to experience it's relating to experience rather than bonded to it and so often our relationship is too um, uh, goal oriented or trying to make things work or too um, affected so we get very involved with things and try to make it better understandable but the relationship is, is dispassion dispassion doesn't rule out compassion but it means we know there's a limit to what we can do and we also know that uh, if we're getting stressed out ourselves then we're not able to fully serve uh, and support others so it helps to hold that that measure that balance how do you find dispassion you step back from the situation and you look at it you, you sense it and you take your heart back into the, the refuge the steady place these are conditions that change and pass these are conditions that change and pass this is a sense of struggle or sorrow or concern or worry or inadequacy or desperation this passes it rises and passes mm. and when it's happening it doesn't feel like it's arising and passing but you know it wasn't always there it arose therefore it passes it's something we just have to bear with uh, and uh, when you know that you, oh, you touch you touch the ground of truth and straight in that touching the ground of truth oh, there is that mind disengages from bonding to experience instead to relating to it with compassion for the other being for yourself for the human predicament in which we are all like fish in a pond that's drying up you know on one level physical we're like fish in a pond that the water is gradually leaving we're all flopping around on death row <laughs> I mean, sorry about this, but just, it's like it does help you to see things more. You know, nothing's going wrong per se, but it is difficult, emotionally difficult. Now, the other aspect that I was touching into was the need for enrichment of the heart, because life is, is on an emotional level, life is very wearing emotionally uh, and the emotional body 
where he gets pretty, uh, takes a lot of stress. What I mean, the emotional body, what's that mean? Um, like you have a physical body, obviously, but you also have a, an emotional body, that is the body of your emotions. You know, so you feel a sense of, it gives you richness, it can be very warm and supportive and rich, and that's beautiful. It also can be very stressed, angry, upset. So you need to care for the emotional body because it's it's quite susceptible to um, passion and fear and rage and guilt. And so this sense of caring for the emotional your emotional body. Um, and this is certainly what refuges and precepts are about. And Kalyanamita, company of the wise, and just having a sense of this is what you can do. Now, one of the chants we do very common, very common chant, and most of these are chanting in Pali, naturally. But the English, this one has been translated to English. This is the Mangala Sutta in English. And if you like, it's a almost a, an outline of of we say vinya uh, training for for. A, a, a lay person avoiding those of foolish ways associating with the wise and honouring those worthy of honour these are the highest blessings living in places of suitable kinds with the fruits of past good deeds and guided by the rightful way these are the highest blessings. Accomplished in learning and craftsman skills with discipline, highly trained, and speech that is true and pleasant to hear. These are the highest blessings. Providing for mother and father's support, cherishing family, and ways of work that harm no being. These are the highest blessings. Generosity and a righteous life, offering help to relatives and kin, and acting in ways that leave no blame. These are the highest blessings. Steadfast in restraint, shunning evil ways, Avoiding intoxicants that dull the mind. Being heedful with everything that arises. These are the highest blessings. Respectfulness. Having a sense of respect. And being humble. Contentment and gratitude. And hearing the Dhamma frequently taught. These are the highest blessings. Patience and willingness to accept one's faults. Seeing venerated seekers of the truth and sharing often the words of Dhamma. These are the highest blessings. Ardent, committed to spiritual conduct. Seeing for oneself the noble truths and the realization of Nibbana, 
these are the highest blessings. Although in contact with the world, the mind remains unshaken, beyond all sorrow, spotless, secure. These are the highest blessings. Those who live by following this path know victory wherever they go, and every place for them is safe. These are the highest blessings. It's a sketch. And um, you can see certain fundamental themes. This is from the Sutta Nipata, um, second chapter, fourth Sutta, Mangala Sutta. Very common and renowned Sutta, generally chanted in Pali. The term Mangala suit means a blessing. It also sometimes is translated as a kind of a sort of subtle action. It's not action, in, it's a sense of, well, you could almost say sort of behind one's actions, the, the frame of reference that one uses for action. So, and just having this frame of reference having this frame of reference, any of these, or all of them, or as many of them as, as are available, just having that to refer to rather than, you know, the other things we call the world. Hmm? Economy, politics. Yeah, and say, so, well, you know, trying to find your way in that, trying to find yourself, trying to find stability and security in that is really difficult. But with this, these frames of reference, these uh, reference points for one's world, one's actions, one's concerns, then you're going to find success and uh, you feel steady, stable, and uh, you'll succeed. You'll succeed in what you can succeed in. <laughs> and you'll feel a sense of security and stability, which is just a human need. Yeah. Now, the world in general gives us a kind of security that is extremely fragile because the job can go crash, you know, the uh, situation can suddenly change and certainly this COVID thing has shaken everybody up in terms of what happened to those, all those, you know, premises of job travel, you know, employment, health, success, progress, things like this, suddenly one virus and the whole broke down. But we could maintain associating with the wise and shunning the foolish. We could maintain cultivating careful speech. We could sustain humility and respect. Uh, we could sustain listening to Dhamma, <laughs> right? So, what do you turn to? What's the real world that you turn to? And that turning to these frames of reference, then you can feel a sense of uh, the security that the world can't give you. And clearly, you know, many we are often seeking security in that world. A good job, bank account, duh, duh, you know. 
Uh, but how, how secure is that when it can just blow? But these are going to provide that. And they're certainly, they're, they're, they're not just, they're, they're sort of tethered to some particularly specific things. You know, like craft of the heart. It mentions discipline, supreme discipline, having craftsman skills. You all have some knowledge. We have the capacity for intelligence, clear thinking, yeah, service, and you can you can cultivate it, clearly think, act clearly, and but then this is in tandem with cultivating skillful speech, endearing speech. So service and skillful speech are reference points to determine how you you know what your world is going to be associating with wise people even just to be to listen to wise people even to be heard listened to by wise people people who don't blame or ridicule or criticize or give you lies and this just just to get some straightforward feedback and also to see behavior modeled that you can follow yeah, rather than crazy stuff that goes down and when you know you, you get that you're starting to train and grow in a certain way ways of work that harm no being yeah. so referring to livelihood speech view companionship responsibility uh, but from the place of Dhamma rather than the place of the uh, worldly values and the Buddha clearly felt that you know, most of the presentations are given is that these fundamental lifestyle trainings act prior to, if you like, or as a foundation for the more refined training of meditation. So you start with that, and the way you work with that informs how you do your meditation. In fact, there isn't really a, a gap between the two. Um, you know, so... So we have a sense of, you know, what can come forth from the from the heart. Now, what we can do physically is going to be limited by limitations of our physical capacities, our strength, our resources. But that's secondary. It always has to be secondary because that is limited and so you start to see well, what you can establish is this fundamental um, focus on cultivating blessings the mangala skillful performances skillful ways of referring to to, to, uh, to how you act and what you act in accordance with and what helps to make specific 
is the quality of, of careful attention. And careful attention means you give attention systematically and repeatedly to topics that will give rise to skillful states, skillful conditions. And you withdraw attention from topics that don't that give rise to unskillful states and conditions. And you have to know what those topics are. Because it's not just the apparent, say, you know, you can look at a piece of work with either an attitude of service or you can look at it as a place where you can gain um, favour and praise. So the same apparent thing could set up different actions in the mind. Mm -hmm. The main thing is not, not so much the thing itself, but what kind of mind states arise as you engage with that particular sight, sound, touch, activity. You know, does it make you compulsive? Um, then you should back off from it. Train yourself to cool down and back off from what you get compulsively enmeshed in. Give attention to qualities that help you to do that. Give skillful attention to qualities to attitudes to reflections that help you to um, disengage from where you're getting compulsive, uh, up, tense, uh, irritable, uh, and so forth. So then, what is worthy of attending to? Attend to reflections, perceptions, memories, teachings, uh, experiences that give rise to non-compulsive states, spaciousness, groundedness, kindness, compassion, yeah? ease. Give attention to those. Uh, and where are they? Well, you know, this is why we cultivate these oppositors, because the oppositor day and the oppositor is a time to bring up and refresh and brighten and integrate your experience of the beautiful, of uh, virtue, uh, of, of goodwill, of people who have been good to you, of good things you've done. It says here, bearing in mind the fruits of good deeds. So you, you take these days to actually pick up. So you've got something skillful to attend to give careful attention to and say yes this is true I, I do stand for truthfulness yeah I do believe in truthfulness um, you know, and what does it feel like I do follow and make an effort with um, generosity how does that feel yeah. so you've got something you can turn to and you do this as oppositors every two weeks sometimes they do, they do like a one every week as well because why wait two weeks, you know? Well, in fact, do it every day if you can. <laughs> Sometimes you just need a lot of, lot of reflection. Uh, that's why, why this, we have pujas and chanting every day in monasteries, at least once or twice a day to kind of just keep bringing the mind back to, to um, things like Buddha and awakening and clarity and mortality and let go and stuff like that and you keep priming your mind with that 
not just so they're just words you're parroting or ideas that you're just going through, but actually felt realities in your mind, in your heart. And then, yeah, that's then you've got the next time you're getting kind of petty or caught up, you remember turn to the, that which is acknowledged and spent time dwelling in the quality of ease. Yeah, the quality of contentment. Mm-hmm. The quality of being supported. The quality of companionship. Sometimes people just feel so alone. Yeah? And uh, we, in some ways we're always alone. Yeah? These, these skin bags and this individuality. But then we can also touch into aspects that are mutual and shared uh, and the training is to as the, the arahants say we are separate in body but in mind we are one so you turn back to that and you realise the person the personality has to be um, stepped not exactly a, abandoned I don't mean dump it it means you just say oh that's that and now's the time to just put that, take that off and rest in the true heart, which is bigger than the person. The more you do that, then you've got something you can give attention to. Give attention to that. This is where your resources will grow. Your strength will grow. Your your confidence will grow. Your uh, discipline will grow. And, uh, and then you have the resources to deal with what life brings up. It's like, so I do Qigong, you see, Qigong, do Qigong every day. Well, no, I don't do it every day. But I should do it every day. <laughs> and sometimes I do, but sometimes I don't. But the same thing that is often Qigong you don't really do very much. You just sort of stand there. But you stand in particular ways whereby the whole point of it is just to build up energy. And you don't build it up by just, you stand in a particular way and energy begins to accumulate. Then you can use that energy to do what you need to do. Yeah? Because you're invigorated. Your system is cleaned. Your energy channels are open. Well, you know, the opposite is rather like that. The mangala, the occasion, whereby you, you stand in your domain of truth and you let it just fill you up. And then you've got, and then you've got some resources and then you can use them. But also before you use them, discern clearly, you know, what the territory is, what is realised in the world of events, there's going to be winning and losing, success and failure, gaining and loss, pain and pleasure, disappointment. That's 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 what it's about. It's like that. Yeah. And how as in the Mangala Sutta, how to be in touch with the world without getting um, overwhelmed by it. Well, it's through developing these inner resources. Uh, And they're not just things you, oh, this is my meditation, and then go out and be, do whatever. You know, the aim is to build up the energy and the clarity and the reference points, what restraint is about, what compassion is about, what 
understandings about, you know, you know mm-hmm. even what dukkha is about, you know, the limitations of our lifespan, anicca, impermanence, not self can't control it. So we move lightly in the world. And that lightness is is not it's not it's not easy. It's not flimsy. It's a, it's a strong lightness because to stay light and move through the world without getting crushed or tangled or frustrated by it takes a lot of inner richness and quality. And this is what these occasions are about: just building it up. Yeah. Yeah, and the world or circumstances then act as your teacher. This is where I got impatient. This is where I, uh, you know, I lost my patience. Pick it up again. Uh, and you realise a lot of situations in life, they're almost like tests. And you, they're difficult. And I found, frankly, life to me is difficult. <laughs> I mean, I'm not complaining, I'm just saying it's a constant meeting of, you know, the, the, the broken, the, the things going out, uh, you know, a dukkha of existence and meeting it. But, yeah, so sometimes you don't feel you're doing very much, but you realise, I managed to let go of my, my despair. That's something. I've let go of my frustration. I've let go of my wish to be someone who can solve it all. I've let go of my feeling of inadequacy. I've let go of my impatience. I think I've... I think think I'm passing the test, you know, of what this life was about. And, And then what less bowed down one is, then the more one has the capacity to apply oneself to purposefully um, to to stress in the world. Uh, I know certainly, you know, people in America, you've got a big uh, big issues are coming up, a lot of turmoil, civil distress, civil distress and uh, conflict, and um, then there has to be the sense of collecting yourself and then also how do you reach out and gather strength with each other to stand for what you feel is right well I, I you know I don't have the answers specifically but I know the basic cookbook for where the strengths come from and these are to be recollected so that you uh, you know you realize you just live righteously and Results. We know it. We know. We know that we've lived rightly, did what we could, and that's all one could ever do. Uh, so I'll stop there for this evening. So the references. There was the Mangala Sutta, which is Mangala, M-A-N-G-A-L-A, Mangala Sutta. This is in the Sutta Nipata. Um, and then the Uposata, 
U-P-O-S-A-T-H-A Uposata and it means something like the time when the, the divine power draws close to the human. These are considered the full and new moons were the times when the celestial energies drew close to the human realm. So it's particularly auspicious to to practice or to cultivate or to attune to that to that time. It's it's a good way of looking at the calendar, isn't it? Rather than well it's fifth of March or it's Thursday and so forth. Just to think in terms of you know, having a calendar that's based on auspiciousness, right? Having auspicious occasions every two weeks, that's that's quite an interesting calendar. And why not make it that way? It's up to us. So I'll stop there for this evening and I uh, hope there's something there you could uh, pick up and uh, use for further reflection.